It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, courtesy of The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. It's a great mix of national voices that you already know, like Jay Glazer, Mike Sandell, Mike Lombardi, the late, great Don Banks, or for The Athletic, too, and awesome local writers. In fact, one of my buddies, Harif Hassan, covers the Vikings, and I was just reading an awesome article that he wrote about this critical offseason for the Vikings. So if you're somebody that likes coverage of your own team, Great, plenty of that, but if you're somebody that likes coverage of other teams like I do, you can get tons of great writers that cover teams besides your own, and as I said, great national writers too. And here's the best part, not only do you get first-rate reporting, but you get all kinds of great analysis, advanced analytics, in-depth player profiles, and more, and it's completely ad-free, no clickbait, just great content. Pro sports, college sports, The Athletic has it all. So if you're not subscribing yet, you're really missing out. Want to get in on the action? I got a great deal for you. Just for being a Play Like a Jet listener, you can go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and you'll get yourself 40% off a year subscription. 40%, that's a lot. Go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and get all of this fantastic sports coverage in The Athletic for 40% off today. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined for the Chronicles of Nania by the man who this show is named after, resident stat nerd for TurnOnTheJets.com, Gangrene Nation, Elite Sports New York, and JetsInsider.com, Mr. Michael Nania. And it's time for part two of the Sam Darnold Project. Last week, we finished off the first three games of the 2018 season as we work our way through the entire career so far in the NFL of Sam Darnold. We move ahead now to week number four at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this was another game that was not very good. So Darnold's on a downward slide because he started off really promising with that good game against the Lions other than that pick six. Then he had a game that was below average against the Dolphins. Then he had a terrible one on national television at Cleveland against the Browns, a game that was made to look even worse by the fact that Baker Mayfield came in in relief of Tyrod Taylor and played great. So people were talking about how good Baker Mayfield was and how bad Sam Darnold was by comparison. The following week in Jacksonville, he was better than he was against the Browns, which wouldn't have taken much, but he still was really bad. This was a poor performance. The only thing that's good here is that at least... 
he's back to around a one-to-one ratio here in terms of positive plays to negative plays. 18 positive plays, 19 negative plays, which is right around what he did in week number two against the Dolphins. It's significantly better than the week before where he had twice as many negative plays as positive plays. The overall score here goes back up from a 14 to a 31, but it's still well below week two against the Dolphins and about half the score of his first game against the Detroit Lions. Once again, he was heavily pressured. So talk to me about this one. It's funny, too, because at this point, he's having a lot of trouble against Florida teams, and we'll see that this becomes a trend later on. Against the Dolphins in that first game, though, it was at MetLife Stadium, so you can't really blame being in Florida or anything like that. But this is something that we will notice as we review the rest of these games. He has a lot of trouble in the Sunshine State for some reason. This was his first game down there, and it didn't go well. Yeah, it definitely has become a theme uh, as we will get into more as we go through these games. But for some reason, that state has not been kind to Sam Darnold. But this this Jacksonville game, it was really interesting. Uh, the first thing that jumps out is that the box score misleads you a little bit in terms of passer rating because he puts up a 74 passer rating in this game, which isn't terrible. Like for comparison, he got a 38.2 against Cleveland, so substantially worse even though he was still pretty bad in both these games. So a 74 is a below average passer rating, but it's not an awful passer rating. And the reason he arrives to that is because he didn't throw any interceptions, or at least the box score says he doesn't because he had an interception in this game that was wiped out, and he had two blatantly dropped interceptions that absolutely should have been that were in the hands of defenders. So in that in that case, it was a really bad game because he was uh, – the pass rating made him look better because he had no interceptions, but he really should have had a few of them. In terms of yards per attempt, he averaged 4.9 in this game, which was uh, basically the worst of his season, tied with the Vikings game that he had a few weeks later. But uh, this game was interesting because there were a few plays in this game where he was so close to making a big play, getting the Jets back in the game, kind of getting some momentum going. He was just a little bit off on a few potentially big plays in this game. Uh, there was one play which Quincy Nunwa ran up the seam and Darnold hit him on two hands, but Quincy, he kind of threw behind him and Quincy had to kind of leap up and contort back to it. Uh, he wasn't able to haul it, uh, haul it in. So even though he got two hands on it, Darnold just threw it a little bit too inside and missed that for a potentially 30 yard gain. There was a wheel route to Bilal Powell that was uh, probably going to be a touchdown if it was thrown well or if not, would have been at least a 30-yard gain just out just outside of the reach of his fingertips. Uh, and there's this one throw to Robbie Anderson. It might be the longest throw I've seen Darnold make in his career. I think it was about 65 yards in the, in the air, uh, straight down the middle of the field, just overthrows him by a couple of yards. That probably would have been a touchdown. So he was really close on a few potentially big plays in this game. And he also made uh, this one play really stands out to me. And uh, it's kind of reminiscent of this play Russell Wilson made against the Rams uh, on Thursday night football this season in which Wilson rolled out, tossed up this ball to the back left pylon, looked like a throwaway, but it drops in Tyler Lockett's hands for touchdowns. That was the best throw I've probably ever seen. And not that this Darnold throw was even close to as good, but it was similar in the fact that it seemed like he was throwing it away, but it actually turned out to be an amazing completion. Darnold rolled out to his right and kind of just, tossed it up down the right sideline when you're watching it on tv you have no idea if he's even throwing it to anybody it looks like he's throwing it away uh but he he throws it over about three or four defenders uh, about five ten yards further down the field 
than where anyone is either a Jet or a Jaguar defender. And Chris Herndon, it doesn't look like initially he's running an out route about 10 yards down the field, but Darnold throws it up and Chris Herndon does a great job adjusting to it going down the field. None of the Jaguars defenders recognize it. Uh, and it turns out to be a really amazing completion on a, a play that a lot of quarterbacks probably would have thrown the ball away. And it looked like Darnold was, uh, but a really well-placed, beautiful touch throw and just a great display of the touch that we saw from him at USC. I've seen from him constantly with the jets. Uh, it's that touch that really makes him the two things that really make him special on that play. The touch, his ability to get it over defenders and drop it in and the ability to improvise, get outside the pocket and make something out of nothing. Both of those traits were on display there uh, on that play to Herndon. So even though this was a bad game, that throw was one of my favorite throws I've ever seen from him. And there were a few potentially big plays in this game that he barely missed on, but still overall was a bad performance because outside of those barely missed throws, uh, he did have those near interceptions. There was one uh, in the red zone where he kind of anticipated a quick, a quick throw to Quincy would be there. And it wasn't Jalen Ramsey read it should have been an interception. Uh, and there was also another throw that was really bad. J- uh, Jermaine Curse was wide open, running up from the slot on the right side. And Darnold, this is an example of something that uh, I think he's definitely gotten better at. But uh, he should have gotten the ball out earlier, and it would have been a wide open touchdown. But uh, he's again, and kind of playing with the Cleveland thing. This was another example of uh, kind of the seeing ghost thing we saw against the Patriots this year, just reacting to pressure that wasn't there. So. This was a game where he saw a lot of pressure, but on this play, uh, Darnold kind of rolled rolled out to the right a little bit to make this throw to Curse when he didn't really need to. The pocket was pretty clean. He could have stood in there, delivered the throw to Curse up the seam, would have been a touchdown, but he slides out to the right, straight into the pressure. Uh, it allows, uh, he has to throw it right over a defender now because he slid out to the right uh, into where Brandon Shell is uh, taking the rusher. Uh, up the arc instead of allowing him to get into the pocket but Darnold rolls right into that now the throw is pressured he has to throw it off his back foot uh, and the window's already closed by now because he should have thrown it already uh, and it should be an interception it lands in the hands of the safety who uh, undercuts the route and makes a play on it he drops it uh, so a play that could have been an easy touchdown but Darnold reacting to pressure that's not there uh, delivering the ball late and also creating pressure for himself that didn't really uh, that he didn't really have to deal with on that play. So a few uh, rookie mistakes on that play uh, that kind of encapsulated this performance against the Jaguars and some of the things uh, that he struggled with early in his career that I think he has made some strides to improve, uh, but are things that he still can be better at uh, as we sit here in 2019 after his second season. So uh, that was really a theme with these uh, couple of bad games here. Uh, on the road against the Browns and the Jaguars. The pressure was there quite frequently, and it made things really difficult, but there were also a lot of plays in which he was, uh, again, the seeing ghost thing with the Patriots. It applied here for these two games where, you know, he's just kind of reacting to pressure when it wasn't really there just because of how much it had been there throughout the game. So uh, some bad decisions, uh, some Bad turnovers against the Browns, but in this Jaguars game, some should be turnovers uh, as a result of pressure, either either the pressure getting to him or actually uh, reacting to pressure, even though it wasn't there in that play. But at the same time, there were some nice moments in this Jaguars game, but overall a bad performance. And uh, I kind of feel bad knocking him now, but this is uh, these were the three of the first four games of his career. And as we will get into next, uh, 
the, the next two games after he comes home following this Jacksonville game were two of the best performances of his career to date. So uh, I feel a little bad knocking him here, but again, it was the first four games of his career. Started off well against Detroit, then had uh, a little bit of a tough run here in his second, third, and fourth games, but he would rebound nicely afterward. The interesting thing that I remember about this game was not how Darnold played, but how his counterpart, Blake Bortles, played. He was outstanding. This was actually one of the best games of his career. 29 of 38, 388 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, a QBR of 79.3, and a 114.8 quarterback rating. And I'm not saying that we should box score scout, but if you watch that game, you saw that he was killing the Jets with passes to D.D. Westbrook and Dante Moncrief. And there's that famous tape because he was mic'd up where you hear him just yelling at the Jets defense, shallow crossers, that's all we're doing, shallow crossers. You know what we're doing? You still can't stop us. We're just doing shallow crossers. And I think a lot of people at that point realized that Todd Bowles' days were numbered because if Blake Bortles was shouting out what they were doing and Todd Bowles still couldn't figure it out, that was going to be a big problem for the Jets and specifically for Todd Bowles' coaching tenure here. Michael, how did your grade in this game compare to what PFF gave him? Yeah, so this game they gave him a slight, uh, pretty substantially worse game than the Cleveland game. 37 in this game, 44 in the Cleveland game. So again, I've had it flipped the other way. I think the Browns game was clearly worse. Darnold had a handful of nice plays in this game, uh, and a few of his misses were potentially big plays that he was barely off on. So those are the types of plays that I wouldn't knock him for as much, uh, like those plays I described earlier. If it's uh, a potentially huge play that he's barely missing, then that's the kind of play that he wouldn't get knocked for uh, that much. So I think even though he did have some should-be turnovers in this game, dropped interceptions and called back interception, uh, still uh, it wasn't a good game, but I think I'd have it uh, I do have it the opposite of how PFF has it. This Jaguars game was clearly better than the Browns game to me, and not because the Jaguars game was anything good. I gave him a 31 uh, out of 100 for this game, but just because the Browns game was a really bad performance, definitely one of the worst of his career. Michael, as you alluded to, though, even though Darnold had a rough stretch there, he began to rebound the following week at home against the Denver Broncos. The positive to negative play ratio was not amazing. He had 13 positive plays compared to 10 negative plays. But overall, the score you gave him was a 72. He did a lot better in large part due to the fact that he didn't have to face so much pressure. But this was a much more consistent game as well. And I think that fans started to get back on the bandwagon because after the three bad games in a row against the Dolphins, the Browns, and the Jaguars, people were starting to get nervous, and this calmed everybody's nerves a little bit. Yeah, this is a Broncos game that was defined by two plays for Sam Darnold, and those were the two deep bombs down the left side to Robbie Anderson. And ironically, the one that was fewer yards in the box score was the more impressive one. Uh, I think one of these was about 35 yards or somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, it was actually 35 yards, a 35 yard touchdown to Robbie. Uh, this was a beautiful throw. Just uh, like, like we explained with the lions game earlier, uh, that throw was, even though it was a great mental play by Darnold, just shaking the safety, he underthrew it a little bit and Robbie had to make a great catch to adjust to it. Still an excellent throw. Anytime you complete a throw that deep down the field, uh, unless it's something ridiculous, like an Odell Beckham one-handed catch, unless it's something like that, the quarterback deserves a lot of credit for completing it. Cause these are such 
low accuracy throws, but this throw against uh, the Broncos to Robbie Anderson or both of the throws he made to Robbie uh, were really good. Perfect throws, especially this one, uh, the 35 yarder that was just perfectly placed on the left side near that front pylon. That was one of the most precise deep throws he's ever made. Maybe the most precise deep throw that Darnold has ever made in the NFL. And the first one was uh, not quite as contested as the second one was, but it was a beautiful anticipation throw because Darnold uh, threw it before Robbie was even looking for it, before he even got past Bradley Roby. And it turned out to be in the perfect spot uh, where Robbie didn't have to break stride to get to it. So both of those two throws, I gave him a nine for the first one and a nine and a half for the second one, the 35 yarder. Uh, the first one was 76 yards. Uh, the second one was 35 yards. So a nine for the 76 yarder and a nine and a half for the second one. Uh, not tens because the pocket was extremely clean. So he didn't really have to beat pressure on that one, but the throws were really deep. They were perfectly placed. So those were excellent throws Two of the best he's ever made. So those were the defining throws of this game. But another game where the Jets didn't need too much from him, only 25 plays from Darnold in this game. And this was the one where the Jets had the, I believe, the second most rushing yards they've ever had in a single game. Isaiah Crowell uh, just completely went off in this game, had big run after big run. I think he set the record for uh, the Jets record for yards per attempt in this game as well. So the Jets didn't need too much from him because the run game was so good. They got up early, but when they did need him to deliver, he did with those two big plays. And even outside of those, he's pretty consistent. And a big part of this game, what made this performance so good for him was the fact that his mistakes and his completion percentage in this game was one of the worst of his career. He uh, 10 out of 22, 45% completion percentage, but that's really misleading. There were a couple of drops in this game and I think he had four passes batted down at the line of scrimmage, including the one interception he threw in this game, uh, was just a bat down at the line of scrimmage. So that's something that he doesn't have a whole lot of control over. But the Broncos in this game just had, uh, it was really obvious because he hasn't come close to having this many passes batted down uh, in any other game. But they were constantly leaping up, getting their hands up, trying to bat passes down. And they did get a few. There were a couple drops in this game, a couple throwaways. So he puts up this terrible completion percentage that looks ugly on its own, ruins his passer rating. Uh, he had a 98 passer rating in this game, which is good. But I think, you know, his performance was a lot better than that. Uh, so there were a lot of ways that his box score actually was made, uh, looked worse because of stuff like batted passes, throwaways, drops. But on the whole, he was really consistent. And that's really the big thing with his performance outside of those two big plays. To Robbie Anderson, his mistakes, his incompletions were usually barely his fault. They're uh, usually a result of pressure, throwing the ball away, a drop, or the pass getting batted down where he doesn't have too much control over that happening. So other than that, uh, he had some good throws outside the numbers in this game as well. But those two throws uh, to Robbie Anderson down the field define this game. And and he also had this one throw to Quincy Nunwa deep down the middle, uh, barely missed him outside the fingertips, but there was a blatant hold on. I forget who the Broncos defender was, but you could just see Quincy's jersey getting tugged and Darnold still missed the throw by like an inch. It would have been, uh, I think, about a 30-yard touchdown. It was a really good throw, but there was a blatant penalty they didn't call that took away the separation that would have made it uh, probably a touchdown, if not a touchdown, would have hit a Nunez's hands. Uh, so another good deep throw by Darnold. So his deep passing in this game, Uh, was the defining factor of this one. He was excellent. Uh, So a performance where the Jets did not need him to carry them. The run game is really good, but when they needed him to throw, he was excellent in this game. So as you said, a great bounce back, uh, a great refresher 
from a fan's perspective after a rough stretch there uh, following his debut against the Lions to come home against the Broncos and put uh, a couple of his best throws uh, still to this day, a couple of the best throws of his career. Like you said, those two long bombs to Robbie Anderson told the tale passing-wise, and this started to get people more optimistic again. It also showed you what Sam Darnold could be capable of if the running game is actually working because Crowell was dominating, and so it really helped lift Darnold up as well. It was the most dominant performance by a Jets running back since Thomas Jones in 2009 against the Buffalo Bills, which was an absolutely insane game. Both of them were tremendous. You could argue over which one was better by the numbers it was pretty close but either way both of those games were fantastic of course in the Bills game I'm talking about the Jets ended up losing in overtime in this one the Jets won the other thing that I thought was interesting here Michael is the fact that Demarius Thomas in one of his final games as a Denver Bronco would go for over 100 yards receiving, almost matching his total for the entire year. So obviously the Jets looked at that and said, well, look at what he did against Darnold. Let's get him on the team for 2019 so he can do this for Darnold. Unfortunately, he never quite had a performance like that for the Jets in 2019, but I found that interesting too because a couple of weeks later he was traded to Houston and then of course we know that later on he ended up getting traded from the New England Patriots to the New York Jets and I thought that he gave them more than we should have expected given his age and the injury history but that game against the Jets did show you that he had something left in the tank how did PFF grade this game compared to the grade that you gave it so they did grade him pretty well for this game a 76.7 the fourth best grade that they gave him uh, in this 2018 season which is pretty close to what I gave him so a positive one but Compared to the next game that we'll get into, uh, I think they had a bigger disparity between this game and the next game than I did. And uh, it does match up. This was the fourth, for me, this was the fourth best grade I gave him, uh, just like PFF. So I think they did give him a nice grade here. Uh, but I think it's uh, a little bit too far away from the next. I think the next game, uh, PFF did uh, my grade for the next one after this is a little bit wrong. But in terms of this Denver game, I think they did a solid job this one. He played well, uh, and they did give him a, a solid grade to match it up with. So, so solid job, PFF. Round of applause for you. One other thing that I thought was interesting to note, Michael, and it has nothing to do with Sam Darnold, but it's still fascinating to me. If you were to just look at the box score, you would think that Case Keenum had an amazing game because he was 35 of 51, 377 yards, 7.4 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, one interception, and a 95 quarterback rating. But if you look at his QBR for the game, it's 26.6. What a disconnect. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, there were a couple real. I think there were a few really good catches that Broncos receivers made in this game, and I also, most of that production I think was uh, in garbage time. I think there were a lot of easy dump offs the Jets are giving up on the last couple of drives of the game. So uh, that that's why QBR is a good one to go to because it adjusts for things like that. So in terms of the actual uh, just adding context to box score production. That's a really good thing to go to because, again, like that would tell you that Case Keenum was similarly good to Sam Darnold in this game. If you just looked at the box score, maybe even better if you value uh, volume totals. But uh, definitely when you look at uh, just dive into it, it was clear that, you know, Darnold put the Jets ahead by making the big plays early in the game. And Case Keenum just matched those numbers uh, by taking easy throws when he's behind. So 
uh, was a good performance from Darnold and Case Keenum, uh, as he has, uh, I think he did with this season in Washington as well, puts up some numbers that make him look a little bit better than he really is. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Michael, I got to tell you, I'm kind of surprised. So far, we've gone through five games, and PFF's grades have been somewhat decent, a lot better than I would have expected. So we'll see if this trend continues as we move along now to game number six. And as you said, this was one of the better games of his career. The Denver game was good. This game was better. You graded it only a little bit higher, but I thought this was really telling. The positive to negative play ratio was the best of the entire season. 21 positive plays, only four negative plays. A fantastic ratio, and you have to be hoping for a lot more of that going forward. The pressure rate a lot lower, which obviously contributed to this, but the thing with this game that I remember was watching Andrew Luck and watching Sam Darnold, and it looked like mirror images because in a lot of ways, Sam Darnold's skill set and Andrew Luck's skill sets are close. And so when you saw Sam Darnold get the better of Andrew Luck in this particular game, you thought to yourself, perhaps one day Jets fans can look back at this game and remember this is the day that they realized they had their very own Andrew Luck. Yeah, this was one of the best performances of his career, and I ended up giving him the grade to match, or at least after I graded all the plays, uh, it scored out as one of his best grades, and deservedly so. Uh, 74 in this game, which is the fifth best grade I've given him. 
uh, in any game of his career, uh, second best of his rookie season. So, uh, yeah, like you said, he had to go, you know, shot for shot with Andrew Luck, who uh, kept bouncing back, kept, kept putting touchdowns on the board, and Darnold kept answering back. This was the game where Jason Myers went off, had the seven field goals, so the Jets weren't really able to punch it in, but they were so consistently driving the ball down the field. I think this was the most times the Jets ever scored on offense in the game, and combining field goals and touchdowns. Uh, some record of that, or consecutive drives in which they scored, something like that. But they were so consistent in this game, and Darnold was the driving force behind that. Like you mentioned, uh, I gave him 21 positive grades, only four negative uh, negative grades in this game. That's the fewest I've given him in any one grade in his career or any one game in his career. So the 5.3 ratio, the best of his career in any game. So consistency was the name of the game on this afternoon for Darnold. Uh, the splash plays weren't really there. That's why this isn't the best game of his career, but they didn't really need to be because things were working so well. The Jets just hit slant route after slant route uh, to curse, to Quincy Nunwa, to Terrell Pryor had a few plays. Uh, Robbie Anderson had a few plays. Uh, they're getting the ball out quickly. They're protecting him well. And Darnold was just so accurate and so consistent in this game. So this was an example of performance where things were clicking. The Jets had a game plan that worked. And this was a good Colts defense. Even though the Colts were at this point uh, after this loss, they were 1-5. and five. They went 9-1 and one after this game and ended up making the playoffs, winning a playoff game. Uh, and turning out to be a top 10, I believe, uh, DVOA defense. One of the best defenses in the league, or at least top half in DVOA. So the Jets had a game plan that worked. They protected him pretty well. And Darnold executed just at a tremendous level. Uh, really good accuracy, especially in the intermediate range. Checked the ball down when the ball needed to be checked down. Uh, had this really good circus throw to Chris Herndon. Herndon made a great circus catch, uh, but Darnold threw it down the left sideline, put it on his hands, uh, and after a lot of bobbling, Chris Herndon came down with it. Uh, those two guys had such a special. This was actually the beginning of Chris Herndon's emergence uh, as the stud tight end that he was for the Jets last year. Didn't really do much of anything the first five games, even though he got some playing time. But this is when he started to be involved in the passing game from here on out from this Colts game through the end of the year. Uh, he is one of the top 10 receiving tight ends in the league. His blocking started to come on, uh, really started to develop later in the season. Uh, so this was the beginning of his connection with Chris Herndon. Uh, we did see that catch against Jacksonville that I talked about a couple of games earlier, uh, but this was really the start when Herndon started to become regularly involved. So Darnold in this game, really consistent, really accurate. Uh, there's nothing really, not a play from this game that stands out as one of the best of his career, but it doesn't really matter because he was so incredibly consistent and accurate in this game. And he was able to go shot for shot with Andrew Luck, matching him time after time. Uh, one of the best performances of his career, for sure. And Darnold outplayed Andrew Luck in this game. Andrew Luck had three turnovers. Sam Darnold only had one and 24 of 30. So he was just on fire on this day. And like I said, you saw both quarterbacks making those plays on the run outside of the pocket, and they look like mirror images. And you couldn't help but come away from this game giddy based on the performance. And as I said, thinking that perhaps the Jets had found their very own Andrew Luck. Through six games so far, Michael, it's really amazing because we talked about how consistency is going to be key with Sam Darnold. Talk about a roller coaster ride, right? You had a really nice game in the first one against Detroit. Then you had three really rough games and then two really good games again. So the first six games, you had three good, three bad. A little bit of a seesaw here in the early going for Sam Darnold. Yeah, and definitely as we go along, I think that 
we're going to see some improved, some signs of improved consistency, uh, especially once he returns from that injury uh, that had him out for a few weeks, three weeks, actually, in that rookie season. Definitely some improved consistency from that point on. And in 2019, even though he didn't have uh, quite as big a leap as we hoped, I think there were a lot of positives to take away there, too. But uh, to start his career, definitely roller coaster ride, as you expect with any rookie. But I'll say now what we were saying a lot after that 2018 season, the flashes were there. He was not having a Dak Prescott kind of rookie year or Deshaun Watson in terms of the stats, but uh, he definitely had some games where he was struggling, but you did see games like the Broncos game, the Colts game, the Lions game, and and those are just the ones we went through so far, but uh, he had a f- uh, four or more really solid games that we'll get to later in his rookie season, but uh, you saw those high point performances where you're like, wow, this guy can really play in this league. Uh, He has the potential to, you know, if the Jets build around him the right way, if he can uh, bring the consistency together, it's clear that he can play in this league. These were some high-level performances really early in his career. So uh, a roller coaster coaster ride uh, for sure, and especially that's something we'll see as we go throughout this. He has some really defined streaks, uh, you know, a couple good games in a row, a couple bad games in a row, some really – like I said, some really defined streaks here uh, throughout both of his first two seasons in the league, but the high points continue to be uh, from his rookie year into this year. So many impressive high points. Uh, it's on the jets to help him out some more and it's on Darnold as well uh, to make some of the necessary strides, but start his career for sure. Uh, definitely roller coaster ride. You start off with Detroit, a really impressive debut on Monday night football, then three games in a row against uh not the best competition in Miami, Cleveland, and Jacksonville, struggling in those games. Uh, has a tough start to his career. Has to play three games out of four on the road, including a couple of primetime games. Uh, three games in 10 days to start his career. So a rough schedule to start the season. And although the teams weren't that good, Cleveland and Jacksonville had good defenses in 2018. So a tough start to his career in terms of the schedule. And he wasn't really able to handle it all that well. But then comes home and against a couple more good defenses in Denver and the Colts plays really well in those games. So for sure, a roller coaster to start his career. How did PFF grade this compared to how you graded it? So this is one where I kind of disagree a little bit. They gave him an 87 in this Colts game and a 77 for this Broncos game. So I think scaling it between, uh, because I gave him a 74 for the Colts, 72 for the Broncos. So pretty close between those two games. I think scaling it, Uh, between what theirs would be and mine. I think Broncos should be up a little bit more. I think Colts should be down a little bit more because uh, I think Darnold's best games of his career were a couple of notches above that Colts game just because uh, he had some more, uh, some better splash plays in those games because he didn't really have those against the Colts. But I think the Broncos should be probably a little bit higher in the Colts, a little bit lower. They have those performances pretty far apart from each other, about 11 points. Uh, And I think that those performances were both very good. So they should be a little bit closer together, but they did give him a really good grade for the Colts. But to me, I think it's a little bit too high just because he didn't have to do all too much special in that game, but it doesn't take away from how good of a game it was. He was really good in both of these two home games against two very solid defenses in 2018. So uh, I had them closer than PFF did. I think they overrated the Colts a little bit, underrated the Broncos a little bit, but, uh, they did give him good grades for both of these games. 
That's going to wrap up part two of the Sam Darnold Project. We'll be back with part three next week as we continue to roll along in the 2018 season. In the meantime, make sure to catch up on all the great podcasts that we've been doing in the last couple of days. We've got the two mailbag episodes with Chris Nimbley that dropped over the weekend, including a spirited debate over whether or not edge rusher should be a consideration for the Jets with the number 11 overall pick in the April draft. The latest edition of our roundtable dropped yesterday with Dennis Wazak of the Associated Press. A lot of interesting insight from him on the draft and on free agency and on what he thought about the Jets in 2019 and going forward. Plus, we threw in a little bit of music talk, too. It's what we do when Dennis comes on. Before the weekend hit, we had some great shows, too, with Clayton Smarslock coming on live from the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, to give us firsthand accounts of what was going on down there, look at some of the prospects and how they may fit with the New York Jets. And NewYorkJets.com senior reporter and longtime beat reporter for the Bergen record, Randy Lang, joined the show to talk about the induction of Winston Hill, which will be happening in August. Finally, should have happened a long time ago, but he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. Randy wrote a great profile about Winston over at NewYorkJets.com, so we talked about that and some of the other profile pieces that Randy wrote down the stretch of the season, including a great one on Foley Fadakasi, as well as Randy providing us with some reasons for Jets fans to be optimistic in the year 2020. So a lot of content right now. So if you haven't subscribed yet on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast platform is, please go ahead and do that. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, we'd really appreciate it if you could do that for us. If you like what we're doing, it's an easy way to help out the show. Doesn't cost you any money, doesn't take you much time, but it's an enormous help. So we'd really be grateful if you could do that for us. Make sure you're following Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania, N-A-N-I-A, and read all his work, including the great work he's doing over at JetsInsider.com with the very big deal Chris Nimbley. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.